Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalms 46 is a psalm of promise. It was used as a song in worship. This psalm is a psalm about God's protection, God's presence, and God's power. And verse 10 is one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible. Be still and know that I am God. When you study the Psalms, Psalms 46, 47, and 48 form a trilogy of praise. They need to be studied together. Psalms 46 celebrates God as our refuge. Verse 1 of Psalms 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalms 47 celebrates the sovereignty of God. Psalms 47.2 says, For the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. Psalms 48 is a declaration of praise for the glory of God in Zion. Psalms 48.1 and 2, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God in his holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Psalms 46 bears the title. If you'll read the title in, in the footnotes of your Bible, it says, To the chief musician for the sons of Korah. It is also labeled as a song of Alamoth. Alamoth, that means it could be for high soprano voices or it could be for a, a female choir. It's also known as Luther's psalm. It is said that it, this psalm inspired his great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. This beautiful psalm of worship is both a psalm of worship and a psalm of instruction. In verse 10, we learn how to receive God's abundant provision. We also learn how to appropriate his divine protection and how to enjoy his presence. Verse 10 shows us how to experience his power. How do we receive what God has for us in this current season? Be still and know. How do we access God's provision? Be still and know. How do we enjoy the presence of our king? Be still and know. Now, to be still does not mean that I just stand still. It's dealing with your spirit, man. It's learning how to get still in his presence, how to be quiet in his presence, and learn how to listen to his voice. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, the apostle Peter writes, he says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We cannot stay in the same place spiritually. We must grow in our walk and our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been called to advance in the kingdom. You were saved to make forward progress. Too many in the body of Christ are what we call saved and satisfied today. They're making no progress in their walk of faith. There's no growth in their spiritual life. God is calling us to grow in grace. God is calling you to a new place in your walk of faith. God's will for you can be found in Psalms 118 verse 5. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The King James Version reads, he set me in a large place. How many of you are ready to enlarge your capacity to know God? Psalms 18, 19 says, he brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. How do we enter into this large place? Be still and know that I am God. You see, 
We partner with God in our spiritual growth. Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. We must make a conscious decision to pursue God with our whole heart. It was said of Caleb in Joshua chapter 14, verse 8, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. I've come this morning looking for a people who will wholly, wholeheartedly, completely follow the Lord my God. Jeremiah 29, we quote Jeremiah 29, 11 a lot. I have it on a plaque in my house. But the condition to you having the desires of your heart and coming into all that God has for you can be found in verses 12 and 13. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Verse 14, the first part of that verse gives this promise. And I will be found by you, says the Lord. We have to search for him with our whole heart. Our text this morning is found in this one passage in Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I want to take this scripture and look at it this morning. Notice first of all, be still. Psalms 46.10 begins with an action verb, be. The subject of the sentence is implied. Who is to be still? I am. You are, we are, be still. The New American Standard Bible version says this way. It says, cease striving and know that I am God. See, oftentimes when we're walking through something, when we're going through it, we're pressing, 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 pressing. And sometimes God says, just be still. Take your hands off of it. Let God unfold it. I, you know, if, if you're like, you have a personality like mine, you kind of want to jump in there sometimes and just make it happen. God, you're taking too long. I'll help you. How many of you know God doesn't need our help? Matter of fact, if we try to help him, we'll mess it up. Amen. How do you know that? Well, Abraham and Sarah got ahead of God and had Ishmael. We're still living with that in the Middle East. Cease striving. When you study the verses of this psalm, you'll learn it describes a day much like our own day. In Psalms 46, 2, it says, Therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Now why does the psalmist address fear? Because verses 2 and 3 describe upheaval, change, and even catastrophic events that will reshape society as we know it. Mountains in the scriptures always represent government. And we witness the demise of governments almost every day in the news media. Recently, the Prime Minister of England, Theresa May, called for a snap election trying to strengthen her hand as she enters into Brexit negotiations, and instead of uh, winning a greater majority, she almost lost her position. And I saw the other day where this uh, Corbyn, who's the Labor opposition party, now has a greater uh, numbers in the polls than she does. And he's very socialistic in the way he approaches things. Mountains shake. Governments shake. Who would have ever dreamed that Donald Trump would be our president? The world we live in is in a state of upheaval. Jesus spoke of our times in Matthew 24, verse 7. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Spoke of a time when men's hearts would fail them for fear. Psalms 43, 6, verse 3 says, Though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at the swelling pride. The waters roaring represents humanity crying out in pain. How many of you know we live in stressful times, times of anxiety? 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 warns us of these stressful times. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. 
In earlier times, the world suffered through plagues. The bubonic plague or the Black Death killed over 25 million people, one-third of Europe's population over five years. I think the plague of our society today is stress, anxiety, and fear. These are dangerous times, and our generation suffers from anxiety and stress-related illnesses. I've never seen a time that God's people were more under attack than in 30 years of ministry than I do now. So how do we have peace in stressful times? How do we thrive in these stressful times? Is it possible to live without being overcome with fear and anxiety? I believe the answer based on God's word is yes and amen. And the instructions are found simply on the pages of scripture. See, the Bible's an ancient book, but it's a book with a very contemporary message. It's ancient, but it's up to date. I'm amazed at how this ancient book speaks to our culture and to the problems we face even today. Throughout the Bible, there are what I call action commands. What are action commands? These are actions that you can take to enrich your fellowship and bring you into a new place in your communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the answer for stress and anxiety? The answer is a vibrant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the action commands is found in our text. Be still. The psalmist instructs us to still ourselves. This is contrary to our busy culture. We know a great deal about movement, but we know very little about being still. What does it mean to be still? It means to stop striving. How many of you desire to know God better, more intimately? And sometimes you have to stop all your activities and still yourself in his presence. The Living Bible says it this way, stand silent, know that I am God. We used to call that the holy hush, being still, being quiet in his presence. Oftentimes prayer is just a monologue where we talk to God, kind of unload all our thoughts and feelings and everything and give them to him. But we don't take time to pause and to listen. Hearing the voice of God is not reserved for great evangelists and powerful men and women of God. Every believer should develop the discipline of hearing God's voice. Well, pastor, he don't speak very often. Well, my Bible says in the book of Hebrews, today, if you will hear his voice. Today, not yesterday, not tomorrow. Today, everybody say today. God is speaking. The question is, are we listening? Are we tuned in? In 1 Kings 19, 12, Elijah had to learn to hear the still, small voice of God. Exodus 14, 13, and Moses said unto the people, fear not, stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord which he will show to you today. To be still is an act of worship. To still ourselves and to be quiet is a prerequisite to hearing God's voice and growing in grace. Our lives are filled with all kinds of activities. God is saying, be still. Quiet yourself so you can hear my voice. We could call this a quiet time. There's a time to be still and listen. There's a time to shout unto the Lord in the voice of triumph. There's a time to declare his goodness. There's a time to make our petition known. But there's also a time to be still, be quiet in his presence. Some years ago, I was called to preach a youth revival. And I prepared for a youth revival. And when I got to the church, it was a church full of children. Their idea of youth and mine was something different. I was thinking teenagers. These were little guys. I thought, what in the world can I say to these kids? I'm really old now. I thought I was old then. So every afternoon before I would go, every day I would get out into my study and I would just get quiet before the Lord. I didn't do a whole lot of talking. I just listened. When the week was up, we had about 40 or more kids that came to Jesus that week. What was the success? What did I do? I listened to the Holy Spirit and received his instructions. I didn't know how to preach to those kids. I didn't know what to do. The things I had prepared were 
for teenagers. They weren't for necessarily for children. But the Holy Spirit took those words and those messages and he burned it into the hearts of those kids. And we saw tremendous results that week. And it came out of being still. I know you don't believe I can be still, but I can. I can see the look on your face right now. Revelation 3, 6, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Isaiah 7, verse 4, take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint-hearted. This verse was given to Judah when they were being threatened by a confederation of two kings. What were their instructions? To mobilize their army? No, to be quiet and fear not. How do we respond to a satanic attack? One of the greatest weapons available to the believer is to be still and be quiet and simply hear his voice. Our lives are filled with too much noise. Television, music, all kinds of noise going on in the background. Text messages, phone calls. We have too much noise in our life. It's time to be still and listen. Psalms 91.3 says, I will deliver thee from the noisome pestilence. My prayer this morning is God deliver us from the noise and teach us to still ourselves in your presence. And sometimes you have to listen real quiet in all the noise to hear the voice of God. Because all of those voices are competing for your attention. To be quiet is to be at peace with yourself and with God. And we must develop the discipline of being still in his presence. But notice secondly, we're to be still, but then we are to know. Know that I am God. Settle the question of who God is in your life. Don't have a conviction about God based on your present experience or your present circumstances. Well, God is not good because he allowed this to happen in my life. I thought God was good, but because this came into my life, that means he's not good. No, you base your conviction on what the word says and what God reveals himself to you to be. And you settle that question. And no matter what comes your way, what circumstances comes your way, what storm blows in your life, you stand up and declare in the name of the Lord, I know who God is and I declare who he is in the name of Jesus. And if you make that declaration, that declaration will always be tested. And you have to make a decision that I'm going to believe God. Be still and know that I'm God. See, know that I'm God is a statement of God's sovereignty. If you go to England, when I was in England, and it seems like every time I go, they have some kind of catastrophic event in the government. The first time Beth and Michael and I went, they voted to, to leave the U European Union. And it was, I mean, in London, they were very fearful. And even in the church, they were fearful of their jobs. They were fearful of what was going to happen. Our missionary wasn't there at the time, so he sent me a text message. He said, what did you do? I said, look, I just came over here to preach one time in your church. I, that's all. But if you remember after Brexit, the, David Cameron was the prime minister. He stood up and he resigned that morning. And he made this statement. He said, I, I have visited the sovereign. I've gone and talked to the queen. They refer to the queen as the sovereign. What does that mean? That means that they're part of a kingdom. If you notice when they say that they're in the army, they're in her majesty's service. The ships are HMS, her majesty's service. I read one time where if you mail a letter in England, when that letter leaves your hand and it gets into the hands of the post office, it becomes the property of the queen. See, a sovereign owns the kingdom. I want you to see this. A sovereign owns the kingdom. How could it that our foreparents could come to this country on land grants from the king? How could the king, who had never been to America, Say, I'm going to give you the state of Virginia. Here's the deed. You can have it. How could he do that? Because he was the sovereign. When we say, know that I am God, we're making a statement of sovereignty. Everything you see around you, God owns it. 
We think that's my money in the bank. No, no, that's God's money in the bank. That's my house I live in. No, no, that's God's house you live in. That's my car that I drive. Oh, no, that's God's car that you drive. See, you're just a manager. You're a steward. God's placed that in your hands to watch over and to manage. And whatever you do with that determines how he blesses you in the future. But he owns it all. When we were little, we would say, my daddy's better than your daddy. My daddy owns the state of Tennessee. Well, my daddy owns the continent of Africa. Or my daddy does this, or my daddy does that. I want to tell you, your father in heaven owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the hills the cattle stands on, the mineral rights underneath the hills, the gold, the silver, all that's in that hill. He owns it all. Hallelujah. And sometimes we're so stressed out and worried, how am I going to make it? What am I going to do? Be still and know that I am God. I'm sovereign. Hallelujah. He's the sovereign. The term be still from the Hebrew can also be translated let go. To be still means I let go of fear. I let go of anxiety. I let go of the hurt and the wounds that I'm carrying. Donald Stamps writes, he said, Quit holding on to the things that keep you from exalting God and giving him his proper place in your life. The answer for the problems that confront us is simple. Know that I am God. That's not only a statement of sovereignty, that's a statement of faith. Psalms 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. In trouble. The results of being still and learning to wait in his presence is a greater confidence and knowledge of who he is. One of the great challenges of our time is to know God. Not just to know about him. You can be in church all your life and really never know God. You can know about him. You can go to Sunday school. You can learn the stories about Noah and Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. You can learn the stories of Hosea and his wife. You can learn all the stories and you can know about him, but do you really know him? It's good to know about him. It's good to study the word. It's good to memorize scripture. Those are important things to do. But I'm talking about having an intimate relationship with him. We can learn about his love. We can learn about his attributes. We can learn about his nature. But do we really know him intimately? Religion knows about him, but he calls us to more than just religion. He calls us into a relationship. To know God is to be in relationship with him. We recognize his voice when he speaks to us. Do you know why many believers remain in spiritual infancy and never grow into what God has for them? Because they have never cultivated their relationship with Christ. Most of us know how to pray when we're in trouble or in need, but do we live a life of continual fellowship in prayer? Needs are met, lives are changed, answers come in his presence. The key to receiving from God is spending time in his presence. Psalm 1611, you'll show me the path of life. How many of you want to know the path for your life? How many of you are trying to find that door that God is about to open into your future, into the season that he's bringing you into? He says, I will show you the path of life. You should know this scripture. I've quoted a lot. How do I find the path of life? In your presence. And not only will I find the path of life, I'll find fullness of joy. When's the last time we met somebody who was full of joy? Most of us get up every morning trying to survive. I've got to survive today. Man, I've got to get through it. I've got this issue facing me. I've got that problem facing me. And we press to survive in his presence. There's fullness of joy. And here's the key why you need joy. Joy, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Our strength is waning because our joy is waning. How do I receive joy? Well, you watch a marathon of Andy Griffin. That'll make you laugh, but that's not going to give you joy. Joy. Joy flows out of his presence. There's no other way to, to describe it. See, I think happiness and joy are different. People ask me, Pastor, are you happy? I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm married to my sweetheart. She makes me very happy. 
I have a wonderful daughter that loves her mother a little more than me, but she does love me. I'm happy. I have a nice home to live. I get three meals, sometimes more a day. I got no reason to be unhappy. Happiness, though, depends on circumstances. One phone call can disrupt your happiness. But joy flows from deep on the inside, and it comes out of his presence. And in the midst of adversity and difficulty, in the midst of hardship and pain, the joy of the Lord can be a strength beyond your own strength that will walk you through that fiery trial that you find yourself in. In his presence. Psalms 100 verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The Apostle Paul wrote these words in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Every believer should memorize and study scripture. We should all make this scripture our prayer and hope that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Paul's hope was to know him. My question this morning is, do you long to know him? His prayer was to know the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his sufferings, and be conformed to his death. God desires to make himself known to his church. If we're going to have a successful marriage, we really have to know each other, and to do that, we must spend time together. To know each other, we must spend time communicating and listening to each other. If we're going to learn of Christ and know him better, we must be willing to still ourselves and listen to hear his voice. We know about him, but do we really know him? Once there was a village where all the inhabitants were blind. When a man passed one day riding an elephant, a group of village men cried out asking the rider to let them touch the great beast. For though they had heard about elephants, they had never been close to one. So about six of them were allowed to approach the animal, each being led to a different part of the body. After a time, the rider left, and the blind men hurried back to their people to share the experience. With what can you compare an elephant? People in the crowd asked their six friends. I know all about elephants, cried the man who touched the animal's side. He's long and narrow and built like a thick wall. Nonsense, shouted the man who had touched the elephant's tusk. He's rather short, round, and smooth, but very sharp. I would compare an elephant to a spear. A third who had touched the ear joined in. It's nothing like a wall or a spear. The elephant's like a gigantic leaf made of thick wool carpet. It moves when you touch it. I disagree, said the man who had handled the trunk. An elephant is much like a large snake. The fifth man shouted his disapproval. He had touched the leg of the great beast. It's plain to me that none of you have described the animal accurately. It is round and reaches towards the heavens like a tree. The sixth man, who had been placed on the elephant's back, cried out, Can none of you accurately describe an elephant? He's like a gigantic moving mountain. To this day, the argument has not been resolved. And the people of that village have no idea what an elephant looks like. What does God look like? Many times we judge what he looks like based only on our experience. I've come to tell you that there are dimensions of God that he wants to reveal to you that you will never know unless you learn to be still and know that he is God. Stand with me.